Hey everyone, it has been an amazing ride. We've had four weeks since the FitCast Network launched and I love keeping you guys up to date because you're kind of going along the ride with me. And in these last couple of weeks, I've been able to launch three brand new shows every other Tuesday with a FitCast book club, every Wednesday with We Are Recording, and every other Thursday with FitCast Life Fuel. And of course, Back My Play is back to a weekly schedule. Man, I love doing that show. So I've always been real with you guys. Now, when I mean, it's so weird. Like people that listen to this show kind of know more about me than my close family and friends, but that's just how it's always been. And I've loved having that connection with you guys. So for the most part, uh, it's been an incredible start. Download numbers have gone up on all the new shows. And it's been a, a hell of a ride. Like I said, it's a lot of fun, but it's also a lot of work. So, you know, part of this intro is to, again, you know, hopefully you guys come along with me on this ride and help me continue the momentum. And a big part of that is, you know, support via PayPal or by just buying stuff on Amazon. And I mentioned this a lot. And the weird thing is like, you know, I think me as like a podcast listener of other podcasts, I'm always thinking, well, you know, someone else is going to pick that up. Someone else is going to pick up that slack. And, you know, so far that gets, you know, totally cool. We've had two people that have donated since the network started. And, you know, that's not something like I'm not doing this for, you know, financial benefit or anything like that, but I'm trying to put together this strategy where I can continue to grow this thing, make this business a success and have these shows uh, be everything that they can be and continue to be as strong as ever. So if you do enjoy this content, if you do enjoy anything that's going on in the network, it means so much. If you go to the website, fitcast.network, you make a donation via PayPal one time or a monthly. It's super easy to set up. It literally takes less than two minutes. Or by becoming a Patreon supporter, at patreon.com slash the or slash back of my play, depending on the shows that you like. And, you know, again, if, if you guys have been listening for a long time, I love doing this stuff. And on the other end, I need to make sure that I continue to do whatever I can to make this business a success going forward. And again, part of that is trying to make these shows financially viable and to just really back up the time as well that I'm putting into it so I can continue to deliver awesome stuff to you guys every week because that's my passion. That's what I love doing is delivering amazing content to you guys to make your lives better, more enjoyable. So I really hope that you can help me out on this ride going into month number two by going to fitcast.network and help the network out, help this thing grow so I can continue the amazing run of content that we've already started and continue to bring you amazing stuff going forward. Thank you so much for your support. And I, I just, I love this stuff. Again, I hope you guys love this stuff too and you really are with me going forward. Thank you so much. Let's get to the show. Hello and welcome back to the FitCast. My name is Kevin Larrabee and I'm very happy to have back on the show. It's been a little bit over a year, but it's great to have Greg Robbins from Crushy Sports Performance and TheStrengthHouse.com. Greg, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Kevin. Thanks for having me back. It's good to uh, good to catch up and talk a, a little bit, mo- bit more. Like we're talking off air. We're now both 30, so we're officially old. And uh, now we have to actually do something with our lives. You're getting married. I started a a podcast network. Hey, those are two big commitments. So (laughs) yeah, but I think, yeah, once you're 30, you feel like, I mean, I guess you're an adult when you turn 18 and then, then you hit your, then you can drink legally and you kind of feel a little bit more adult, but 30, yeah, 30, I feel like I have no excuse for doing anything uh, absurd anymore. 30, 30 was like when I made sure, all right, I have a, I have a retirement plan. I have a 401k. Let's go. I'm ready to do this whole (laughs) adult thing. Maybe I should look into some, some uh getting some like real estate stuff going i don't know yeah uh, i just feel like um you know if it, i just i can't do all the childish things i like to do with uh, <laughs> anymore <laughs> but 
We'll see. We'll see. They said 30 is the new 20, so yeah, maybe we can get away with it. It totally is. I mean, I'm a firm believer in our generation living to at least 130, if not 150, with all the advances in bionic hearts and bionic limbs. I'm all for all that stuff. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, then we got lots of time. Yeah, we got, just let's just chill. We can just wait till we're 50 to do anything now. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's funny that I'm, I'm talking to you today because I talked to Pete uh, Dupuy earlier, of course, also of Cressy Sports Performance. And like one of the things that we were discussing is kind of the great thing at, at Cressy Sports Performance where uh, you not just have like that brand, but then you also have different staff members that are really branching out and creating their own brands, with a, whether it's you with like the, the Strength House or other members of the gym doing doing their own thing. I know he had a post even maybe it was like two months ago kind of showing, look at all these great brands that are kind of growing out of Cressy Sports Performance. Um, I'm, uh, kind of starting off, like I'm, I'm curious – what are your thoughts uh, about that? How do you feel like the culture has really developed at the facility and at the gym? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's awesome that we all have our own brands. And I think in this industry, uh, it you know, having some kind of, of online presence is obviously uh, pretty important. So I think that's where, where those brands kind of stem from. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's just like kind of a reflection of our facility in general. And one of the things that makes us so awesome is that now we're given the freedom to uh, to really be ourselves as coaches. You know, not not just from a personality standpoint, but to kind of you know migrate towards the things in uh, fitness and performance that that we like and that we're a little bit more passionate about. Um, and we all, every time we you know bring somebody new on board, it adds just kind of an, another realm to what we're capable of. And, and we come together as a team, and it just helps us. You know, if we have a new client coming in. And we look at their their intake form, and we kind of match them up with the person that's most appropriate. And you know, we don't just have uh, six or seven carbon copies of, of the same person. Everyone right. is unique, and uh, I think our our brands reflect that. I mean, when you look at uh, you know the Strength House and then Bonvec Strength. I mean, so Tony B and I are probably more similar than we are different. Um, but then you have Miguel who does you know breakdancing performance, which is mm-hmm. uh, you know completely different. Um, and bringing Nancy on board, now we have someone to kind of speak more to the, the female side of things. Uh, and now Pete doing more of the business stuff, and obviously Eric doing what he's all, all, always done, excuse mm-hmm. me. Um, and, and Chris Howard doing more of the uh, the massage stuff. We have you know a full arsenal of, of different qualities that we bring to the table. Yeah, it's really a hell of a lineup that you guys have over there now and, and really just developed a... Uh, a, a great staff, not only, of course, uh, at the main facility out in Hudson, but also now down in, in Florida as well, where Eric gets the, the great benefit of spending the terrible New England winters <laughs> down in, in Florida now and then coming back up where it starts to you know warm up a little bit. But that's he's the boss, man. He gets to do that. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a bad gig. Uh, no, it's not at all. Um, so kind of... If you guys haven't listened to that uh, previous episode with Greg, I definitely recommend going back and, and checking that out. Um, training the Big Three has been uh, one of the things that, that you've been focusing on in terms of speaking. And also, uh, you, you actually co-wrote a, a great guide that I got to check out. Uh, maybe it was like maybe it was like 18 months ago or two years ago. Maybe I don't know when it was. Yeah, it's probably been two years, yeah. Jeez. Uh, it's the uh, Specialization Success Guide, uh, Plans for a Bigger Squat bench press and deadlift. Um, great. Definitely go check that out if you guys haven't already. I'll try to po- uh, post a link in the show notes. But um, you've gotten a, an incredible reputation for helping people train the, these big lifts, the bench press, the deadlift, and and the squat. I'm, I'm kind of wondering, just kind of teeing things off, um, has anything really changed in how you've taught that over the last two years, or I guess your thought process when it comes to coaching people through those and common things that you see going wrong in any of the three lifts? Um, well, yeah, I think, you know, philosophy is always changing a little. There's probably more, more that's the same than it's different. Um, but, but you're always making, making slight tweaks. Um, I'd say, I think one of the biggest things, over the past two years is we started doing uh, the optimizing the big three workshops and mm-hmm. you know, that's exposed me to see just a, a ton of different people uh, perform the lifts and appreciate um, what I've learned, you know, at Cressy, uh, especially from Eric mm-hmm. when it comes to assessing kind of movement and then looking at people's squat, bench, press and deadlift and, and, 
even though if you're going to compete in powerlifting, obviously you have to do those three lifts. Mm-hmm. Um, there are slight different ways that you can set it up so that are going to be different for each people to sort of optimize their leverages. So just kind of looking at how they're built, their limb lengths, things like that, and, and figuring out uh, what's the optimal setup for them uh, to have the most success on those lifts. And, it, and it's definitely a, a little bit different for everybody. Um, so it, it's, it's tough to, uh, to say you know, exactly what's changed. Right. I, think, um, I think I definitely individualize more uh, how I'm setting up the lifts and how I'm thinking about them for people than just saying, this is the best way to squat, this is the best way to bench press, mm-hmm. uh, this is the best way to deadlift. I think what we look at are there's a, there's a few constants in all the lifts. Um, so for, for the squat, for example, uh, you know, the, optimally the bar is always going to stay over, over the midfoot throughout the whole lift. And the, the movement is going to come from the hips, the knees, and the ankles. And so you know, knowing that, we can teach people how to properly uh, position their torso, embrace their core, so that really when it comes to descending into the squat, there's, there's only one way to go, and that's the right way. Um, because if, if you're not getting spinal movement, then you're gonna, your hips are just going to flex down into the right position. And if you can position the bar, whether it be a high bar position, a mid bar position, or a low bar position, if you can position that correctly and position the, their stance width correctly mm-hmm. and, then, and then teach them how to brace the core right, everything will just fall into place and the bar will stay over the midfoot. And that ends up looking like a different squat for everybody. Um, and then for the bench press, similarly, um, the bar needs to stay uh, right above the elbows throughout the whole lift. So if the elbows drift in front of the bar or behind the bar, then you're not going to be pressing directly back up into the weight. So from there, there's a, a variety of different strategies on how to bench press. And I don't think there's one way that's better than the other. Some people have huge arches. Some don't have much at all. Mm-hmm. Some people tuck their feet way under the bench. Some people have them out in front. Um, so that's just experimenting and having people figure out what feels best and what enables them to get good leg drive uh, with the constant being the bar path uh, has to fit their setup so that the bar stays over the elbows. And then the deadlift, um, kind of similar to the squat, uh, you know, in, in everybody's setup position, uh, you're going to want, you know, you, you hear a lot about getting a vertical shin on a deadlift and that's going to give you the optimal leverages. And that's true. If you can get a vertical shin in your setup and also, position yourself so that the crease of your armpit is directly over the bar, um, then you're going to have better leverages on the deadlift than someone who can't do that. But not everyone's built in such a way that they're going to be able to pull that off. So individualizing um, their setups to get uh, the most vertical shin that we can possible as long as the crease of the armpit stays over the bar. And for different people, that means the shin's not going to be quite as vertical um, as others. And then with a sumo deadlift, I personally don't pull sumo deadlifts. So um, when I teach it, I teach it a lot the same way as the conventional. It's just to me, when you pull sumo, your shins should stay vertical kind of no matter what. And then that's kind of the benefit of getting into that position is you can get uh, the shin straight up and down and keep the torso a little bit taller. But in either either case – you want to make sure that the crease of the armpit where you're actually connected to the bar is directly above the bar. So um, I think people try to squeeze themselves into, you know, they watch a video on Instagram or someone <laughs> stronger than them lifting and they're like, okay, that's how they set up. That's what they're doing. I'm going to model it after that. And, right. and I, I've probably mentioned this before, um, but, you know, when you are looking at people's videos, you know, try to find someone that's built like you and, and see how they're doing it because they've probably figured out what the optimal setup is for that build. Yeah. It seems like, I mean, two, two great examples are like looking at, uh, Tony deadlift versus versus Eric deadlift. Very different. Yeah. 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 Eric has long arms. Um, and so the benefit he gets there is if you have long long arms, the reason that you're going to be a better deadlifter is, I mean, one, the, the range of motion is shorter. Um, but it's also shorter because if your arms are longer, you can probably keep your shins more vertical, and still keep uh, the armpit right over the bar. Um, let's. I'm kind of curious, like in in terms of all the the workshops that you've done for optimizing the big three. That that's like a hell of a laboratory to take a look at a ton of bodies. Like you got to, like you were saying before, you got to see a lot of people do a lot of people squat, a lot of people deadlift, a lot of people 
bench and you get a lot get to see a lot of uh, inefficiencies, I guess is probably the best word for it. Um, so I'm curious if there's been anything, any like cases that have really stood out to you of like, wow, I've like, I just, I've, I've just never seen anyone move this way before. Like this is just kind of uh, boggling my mind how, how the body would choose to move this way. Um, no, nothing comes out of my mind that, that's, that's really crazy. I mean, I, I think I see a lot of, of similarities in, in what people um, do wrong mm-hmm. and you know some of them they, they go back to the things that I just talked about and when you know when they don't marry themselves to just one one way to do it they realize okay you know this is a lot easier if I just give in to to how I'm built a little bit and change that um, so man, it's tough to say I, I think I think you know for each lift I'd say the biggest thing on the squat is that that people do like to um, they do like to move their back to initiate the lift. Like they like to arch their lower back. And the way I talk about it to them is, is you really don't want to get any uh, side to side movement of your hips before, Mm -hmm. before you start actually moving your hips down. So, you know, to me, the ideal squat is you, you drop pretty much straight down and because your torso is locked in place, the hips naturally end up getting pushed back gradually as you go down. But a lot of people want to throw the hips back first, kind of what I'll call like unlocking the hips and, and flaring uh, their their hips out backwards. And any hip movement backwards like that without any movement down also starts to get the bar moving laterally and it starts moving forward. And and that's what everybody's limiting factor for the most part on a squat. Like you're not usually going to get limited on a squat by your leg strength. It's going to be your back strength that limits your squat in a maximal attempt. Um, and if you get that bar traveling forward, now you're, now you're asking more of your back mm-hmm. uh, because you're going to have to get more forward lean going on. Um, and so, so teaching people not to do that is a, is a common theme. It's something that a lot of people do. Um, on the bench press... I think a lot of people just don't appreciate how technical that lift is. Um, you know, it looks a lot like you're just lying down on the bench, you get tight, you bring it down and you press it, but there's really little room for error on a bench press. So I mean, you can, you can drift forward a little bit on a squat and recover and you can, you can drift forward on a deadlift a little bit and recover. But if, when you're talking about heavier loads on a bench press and the musculature that's going to be responsible for pressing that is a lot smaller um, there's not a really a good way to recover from a bar, you know, moving too far towards your, towards your feet or moving towards your shoulders too soon. Uh, if, that, if your bar path is off on a bench press, you're, you're going to be in a tough spot right off the bat. So, um, the biggest thing we see there is really just ha- helping people appreciate the thought, how much thought has to go into, uh, using your whole body, uh, to, to, to do a bench press and how to get leg drive, and, and throw the bar back uh, over your shoulders by using kind of like a, a more horizontal force from your from your body and even a little bit on the way up, pressing the bar backwards instead of just straight up. Um, and then on the deadlift, the deadlift I'd say a lot of people a lot of people don't appreciate or haven't figured out yet how to leverage them their body against the weight on the bar so they they will get into a position that to the eye looks great. Um, but as soon as they pull and all of a sudden they have to, to have this load in their, in their hands, everything kind of falls apart. And I think what happens there is their setup looks good to the eye, but if you went over and could make the bar just disappear all of a sudden, they would still be in that exact same position. And, and that's not really what you want. You want to try to get leverage the bar, kind of wedge yourself against it so that if the bar disappeared, you wouldn't be able to hold the position you're in anymore. Uh, you'd probably tip over backwards slightly. Um, and when they start to kind of grasp that concept, all of a sudden, you know, the bar, the bar's coming off the ground before they're even done setting up on lighter weights because they're leveraging the weight of their body against oh. the, the load. Okay, cool. Well, sorry, I'm taking some notes. Um, okay, so I, I I apologize because I have to bring this up because I, I, I did some recon with Pete today and uh, I was saying, like, oh, you know, Pete, anything that you think I should bring up with Greg, like just, <laughs> just, just for the show? And 
you know, he 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 brought up, you know, maybe you should met, uh, mention Marty Richards. Who who is Marty Richards, and uh, you know how how is he or, or what's his uh, role in in your business? Well, Marty Richards is my uh, powerlifting alter ego. Um, if if I could be if I could be a completely different person, it would be Marty Richards. So he's he's kind of like the uh, the Kenny Powers of powerlifting. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Is how I would put him. Um, so yeah, he makes an appearance sometimes at the gym. I mean, I, I spent a lot of hours in there. You gotta, you gotta lighten it up sometimes. So uh, <laughs> we have a couple mullet lit, uh, mullet wigs floating around the facility. So I'll usually strap one of those on. And um, Marty likes to wear his weightlifting belt twenty four seven, no matter what. Doesn't matter the exercise he's doing, and uh, speaks with a bit of a southern drawl. Mm-hmm. But. Um, yeah, it's a privilege to really actually get to meet Marty Richards. So if, <laughs> if you've been lucky enough to meet him, then good on you. Uh, if you haven't met him yet, then you have something coming to you. Hey, that's, uh, I mean, that's, that's a hell of a great idea. Just keep that weight belt on so you're fully prepared to go for a 1RM, you know, at any time. Yeah, well, Marty Richards does everything, everything to the max. So he's okay. got to be ready to brace and... Uh, We'll put as much as he can behind everything. What what what's he throwing on the radio? Is he is he going right to like rage or rise against? Like what what's he selecting? I don't know. That's a great question. I, you know, if I was in character for Marty Richards, I <laughs> I think he'd mix it up. But uh, you'd be surprised. I think he'd probably be into some kind of uh, some southern rock. Probably would be okay. His go to maybe some Skinner. Oh, all right. Yeah. No, that, that seems to fit character. So uh, that makes sense. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I even think that maybe one of those wigs was from my original Hooters <laughs> costume from 2008. So uh, okay. hopefully that like blonde MacGyver looking uh, wig is still kicking around. And that's the one. Yeah, it's there. Perfect. Great. Yeah. It's also it's also a really good like uh, Joe Montana kind of quarterback looking <laughs> uh, wig, too, if you want to throw the football around. Um Okay, like, and I wanted to talk to you uh, about about off day stuff because you know you have people that are training for for strength. Like their goal is to just get stronger. Um, you know, they could be training three days a week, doing something that is uh, more of like a full body uh, split or your four day kind of upper lower split. Uh, I'm curious, what do you yourself or, or what do you recommend for people to do? on those off days are you a big fan of just kind of like you know let's just shut it down rest or are you doing kind of like assistance work mobility work like what do, what do you like to do uh it varies um i think it, i think you know uh in rea- in reality if if your if your number one goal is to increase your your maximal strength and that's what your training is around and, and you want to make sure that you're doing everything you can um to optimize that then uh, there's not there's not much, many other training modalities that don't um, clash with that in some way. So I think the only thing that that doesn't would be uh, really uh, low intensity kind of um, aerobic work, like mm-hmm. cyclical non impact aerobic work. So just riding the bike, uh, walking. Uh, probably that'd be the two that that I would go to the most if someone was, you know, really hell bent or getting ready for a meet or something like that. And they want to do something on their off days. So, I mean, aside from just resting, then it would be, yeah, probably just riding the bike, uh, or, you know, slight incline walking with body weight or just a weight vest and, um, you know, optimally keeping a heart rate monitor on and, and trying to stay below 140 beats per minute. Mm-hmm. And just doing that for just as little as even like 20 minutes. Um, and I think, you know, you can obviously add in like, soft tissue work and, and warm up type stuff on your off days too. Um, and so that's, that's like in the extreme sense, or if someone's, you know, really competitive or really wants to go after a goal for a certain amount of time, um, I train a fair amount of people that are kind of the in between where, uh, you know, their, their main goal is to get stronger, but they do want to do stuff on their off days and, uh, they want to do a little bit more than that. And then I'll implement, uh, more, some some running stuff and, and some, a lot of sled stuff. Mm-hmm. And even in both of those cases, uh, basically uh, two philosophies. If it's going to be intense, then it needs to be really short. Uh, and if it's going to uh, be less intense, then we're probably doing stuff uh, kind of like 
pseudo almost tempo work where the efforts are only going to be about uh, 70% effort and we might run, um, you know, like, like 60 yard sprints with a 70% effort and the rest is, you know, two to three times, uh, how long it took to run the sprint. Or we might do something similar with the sled, uh, push it varying di- uh, distances. The longer the distance, then the load's going to be really low, like an uh, empty sled for 40 yards or 50 pounds for 40 yards. Mm-hmm. Again, just marching it at about 70% effort. Um, so like a lot of times what I'll do is we have about 40 yards of turf at our facility. So I'll have somebody, uh, put about 50 pounds on the sled, uh, march it at about 70% effort, 40 yards, and then do a brisk walk back to the other side, 40 yards back to the sled, another 40 yards, and then push the sled again and do that for anywhere between 10 and 20 trips. Um, and then, so, I mean, it, it kind of varies, like if depends on people's goal and how hell bent they are on really wanting to maximize uh, their their training and the, the more they want to maximize it towards maximal strength then the less we're going to do on those off days uh, from an intensity standpoint i'm curious for as right now at csp up in hudson um are, are you guys working with any people that are kind of exclusively getting ready for for meets and stuff like that uh a, f- a fair amount yeah so uh, oh, awesome. tony b started a women's powerlifting group which meets three times a week that's um, right so, that is fantastic yeah yeah and so you guys are working with are you guys working with artemis on that or is she kind of just like coming down sometimes and, and hanging out for a little bit um she's she's a client so she's one of the one of the girls that's that's following tony's programs and awesome. he's been helping her get ready to and she's done a, a, a couple meets now i think he's about to do one this weekend that's right um yeah so she comes down, she's a little further away. So she comes down like once a week and does the rest on her own. Um, and then we have some girls that are more local that come all three times. And then we have a handful, probably like five other general clients who, who are training for meets, uh, both boys and girls. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, it's catching on. I mean, I think it's something you now powerlifting is something that's become more pow- uh, popular and, you know, with having Tony B and I on staff and, obviously we're into it uh people have found us and and are coming down to train so yeah we we have some some strength athletes now at csp that's awesome for for that women's uh group um what what does it kind of look like in terms of demographics right now um as far as like the ages of the women or uh well I'm kind of going to just give it a guess, which hopefully yeah, they're like, li- you know, yeah, not listening doesn't get me in trouble. But um, Just just it, undershoot it by 10 years. You got some see, nine-year-olds. Some- I'll, I'll just give it mid-20s to mid-30s, somewhere in there. Awesome. Uh, and then we have three, four other female clients who sometimes go to that group, sometimes come during the day that are more in their uh, early to mid-20s. Um, but yeah, I'd say that's probably the demographic. That's awesome. Are, and are you guys? Do, do you have like a, a separate men's group as well for just kind of getting ready for for meets and stuff like that, or is it more of just like people are coming in separately throughout the day? Yeah, all the men is just uh, coming in separately throughout the day. We don't have a men's powerlifting group at this moment. That's fascinating. I, I've always been like you know curious about kind of putting you know groups together and kind of seeing like what groups work better. I don't know if just like in terms of women, like it, it is just like a much more uh, open environment for, for support and people uh, working together. I mean, I'm just kind of pulling that out of my ass, but um, it, it is kind of fascinating to see uh, the, the great group that you guys have been able to put together in terms of uh, the females. And, and that's just really, really awesome to see. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I think it's awesome and, and I hope it keeps growing. Um, and yeah, it meets, it meets, two weeknights and then uh, on Saturday afternoons. So if, if you're a female and you're, you're in the area, I would definitely encourage you to check it out. It's, a, it's definitely a great group and it, it's small enough that you'll get a lot of coaching uh, from Tony and uh, obviously just, just make a lot of new friends that are into the, uh, into the same thing that you are. So when, when you have someone new that that's coming into uh, a group like that, do you guys have a, a standard on-ramp program? I know you, uh, for the most part, you guys are putting together individualized programs, but I don't know if you kind of have a, a a template that you just kind of like start off of to get people ramped up after the initial assessment. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a little bit different um, if you're in like one of our groups like that as opposed to 
uh, one of our more standard semi-private clients. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so that I think one of the things with powerlifting is, you know, I think as as strength and conditioning coaches or whatever you want to call us, um, we do you do an assessment to figure out what training means you're going to use pretty mm-hmm. much. So like, you know, what exercises are safe, what things do we need to work on? And uh, when you're getting a power lifter in, as far as what exercises you're going to use, you don't, you don't so much have a choice um, <laughs> because you have to do it. You have to do a back squat. You have to do a bench press and you have to do either a conventional or a sumo deadlift. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, that, that dictates a lot how I'm going to go about doing an assessment for a power lifter and obviously how we're going to go about the training too. I mean, sure. You might, someone might come into you gung ho to do powerlifting, and then you realize that you might have to, you know, talk to him and be like, okay, we need to take a step back so that we can take a bunch of steps forward. Mm. Um, but, but more that that's pretty rare. Like I, I can't even really even think of a situation where that was the case. I think a lot of times, um, you know, if, if you have the experience and you know, like like we started this conversation off of you, if you can objectively look at um, how they're built and how they move right now, you can figure out a way to optimize those lifts for them so that they can complete them right now. Um, so when someone comes into a powerlifting group, uh, everyone pretty much does do the, the same workout, but not everyone sets up for the squat the exact same way, or the bench the same way, or the deadlift the same way. Uh, and when it comes to kind of the, the offshoots, the supplementary lifts and the accessory lifts, um, those might change a little bit depending on people's weaknesses and things like that. Uh, for, for that three-day uh, group, you know, again, kind of going back to the women, or just like in general, um, are, are you guys trying to kind of train those movement patterns every single day? Or are you kind of doing like two days a week, we're going to do some kind of squat pattern, two days a week, we're going to do deadlift pattern, two days a week, we're going to do, you know, bench and so on and so forth? Yeah. So um, when when Tony started the group, he came up to me and that was the first question he asked. He goes, hey, how would you go about the training for this doing right. it three times a week? And I, I, it didn't even take any thought that I instantly just said I would do a, I would squat, I would bench press and I would deadlift every single session. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't mean you have to do. Uh, so I break things up into the competition lifts, supplementary lifts and uh assistance or accessory lifts mm-hmm. and so uh, your competition lifts are obviously squat bench press and deadlift exactly how you're going to do them in competition including any kind of supportive gear you're going to wear if you're going to wear a belt if you're going to wear knee sleeves um, that's your competition lift uh, and then supplementary lifts are any lifts that uh, either directly transfer to uh, strength gains in your competition lifts or directly transfer in uh, technique improvement to your competition lifts. And so you're looking at really close variations of the three. And so when you set up a three-day-a-week template like that, uh, you might have a, a squat day, a bench day, and a deadlift day as far as you're going to actually do the competition lift or, or just a very, very close uh, offshoot of it, like maybe just not even wearing a belt or doing a pause or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then if it, let's say it's Monday and you're doing, that's your squat day. So you do that squat uh, exercise. Let's say it's a competition squat for the bench press and the deadlift. You might, you might use like a supplementary lift. So you might do like a, a close grip bench press. And then on the deadlift, you might do uh, like a deficit deadlift or a deadlift with a pause or a block pull or something like that, as opposed to just straight up doing the three competition lifts every single time. Um, I think as they get closer to a meet, they start doing the three competition lifts more often and less offshoots. But you know, in general, that's how it's set up. God, yeah, that's a hell of a setup. That's that's kind of. Uh, I mean, that kind of seems like what you would almost want to do. If you, I mean, if you have three days available to to train during the week and your goal is to get stronger, that sounds like a pretty damn good setup for it. Yeah, and I think you know yeah, specificity is king, and so the, the the closer you are to closing in on maxing out or doing a competition, um, the closer your training should mimic that. And if you know you're just coming off of maxing out or a competition or a meet, um, then you have maybe a little bit more freedom to work in, uh, you know, more variation into the training. So I mean, if if you have like we have a lot of people that listen to the show that kind of have. 
uh, they will prioritize their their gym time. Like if they want to get in the gym four days a week, five days a week, they're they're going to do it. So um, I know this is like a super general question, but for people that are looking to uh, just they have a goal of just getting strong as hell, um, are 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 you going to advise them to train four days a week, being that they're perfectly healthy? Where this is the optimum, like. 25-year-old person that walks into the gym, no injuries, no movement disabilities. It's just straight up, you know, they're ready to go and they want to get stronger. Are you going to kind of, you know, point them towards let's let's train four days a week and do like an upper lower split? How do you like to set it up? Uh, I think my go-to, my optimal one based on, you know, um, both experience and just looking at, you know, optimal recovery times would be to do a four-day split mm-hmm. uh, where you have, uh, a, you know, a squat focused day with, and it is possible to, to deadlift or some variation on there. And then, uh, two upper body days that include some kind of bench pressing on both of those days. And then uh, a deadlift day, which might also include some squat variation. Um, and then I would say I'll always start almost start like from the, that four day setup. And then if you want to, I do like frequency. So even in my own training with other people, I've had people train up to six days a week, mm-hmm. um, but it doesn't change the overall volume. So I would almost program it out at four days and then chop it up into six. Um, if that makes sense. Oh no, totally. Yeah. 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 And if it's uh if it's three days a week, I'd still probably think about what I would do if it was four and then, condense it to three and then the difference there would i would probably just have to uh, axe out some things that i felt were less important um so that the sessions weren't overwhelming so you know like if four days a week might give you the opportunity to do more of like the smaller stuff and you might just have to get rid of that but i wouldn't i wouldn't bring the volume on the main lift down because i'm doing three days a week i would take the volume that I was going to do on the main lifts at a four day a week program, do it in three days. And then what you're losing there is probably a little off the back on the assistance work stuff. Right. Right. Uh, well, I mean, I'm, I'm going off of that, you know, let, let's throw a, another client at you, like same kind of setup, but maybe they have 20 pounds that they want to get rid of as well. So it's kind of one of those, you know, hybrid fat loss clients that also, you know, I would love the benefit of also getting stronger and you know, potentially they've been training for the last couple of years, but they haven't been training efficiently or they haven't had like really solid programming to go along with it. Uh, I'm sure you guys get clients like that. So what what are you doing? Are you kind of just adding more conditioning stuff or are you, are you lowering the volume in terms of the, uh, the lifting? How, how do you like to set that up? Uh, well, I probably talked to them about two things first and it would be one, depending on where their strength levels are right now, that, uh, we can we can try to get stronger, but it might not happen if you're going to lose 20 pounds at the same time. Right. Um, so it might be more of like, hey, let's let's try not to get any weaker while we lose 20 pounds. Um, but probably the thing I would talk to them before that about, or at least lead them to someone else to talk to about, is their nutrition. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think that changes more so than your training. Um, but yeah, I mean, you gotta. I think you gotta ask enough questions to figure out what's what's the most important to them is it is it losing 20 pounds or is it getting stronger because those two things don't always go hand in hand oftentimes they they don't go hand in hand at all so um i i would say if it ends up being that they really want to lose 20 pounds then yeah the, the training is going to change a little bit it's gonna um the, the reps are probably going to be higher we can still do some of the um we're still going to do the big lifts, mm-hmm. but we're probably going to do less on the lower uh, rep, higher intensity, more like neural side of things and mm-hmm. do it more towards the mid rep range and um, pay strict attention to, to rest intervals and things like that while they're, while they get their nutrition in line. Kind of, kind of breaking things up uh, a little bit. I'm curious, um, you know, outside of what you guys are doing at CSP, um, what, wh- whose stuff do you like to, to read? Who do you, whose stuff do you like to kind of look at in terms of what other people are doing in the industry and, um, you know, how it could influence, you know, possibly influence what you guys are doing? Um, 
yeah. So, I mean, you know, most of the people we're working with is obviously going to be more on the sports performance side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, as far as, as who I'm looking at there, I mean, I've always really enjoyed uh, the stuff that, that Nick Winkleman puts out. Um, I'm, I kind of like listening, like going back to some of the the same guys and revisiting it. Uh, like Buddy Morris is somebody that mm-hmm. I look at a lot of stuff that he puts out. Um, I have, I mean, I'm a big fan of looking at like a lot of the older texts uh, from Furko Shansky. Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as like, you know, with, with baseball is a, a whole different monster. Right. Um, so uh, from a baseball standpoint, looking there is probably more about trying to figure out how we can help optimize um, the longevity of some of these guys. And so mm-hmm. I'm lucky enough to, to just kind of pick Eric's brain, obviously. Um, Mike Reinold is at our facility once a week, kind of mm-hmm. picking his brain um, is really big. And uh, so, I mean, those aren't, that's not great answers that are far removed from, from where I am, but those, you know, those are two great guys, obviously, in the baseball realm of things. Absolutely. Um, Mike Robertson is someone um, I'm always looking at and reading his stuff. Um, I'd say, yeah, those are probably from like a, a sports performance side of things, some of the guys that, that I'm looking at the most and figuring out, but I mean, I don't know, I kind of pick around and, and see what, what falls in my lap and, uh, and, and just kind of, yeah, it varies, I guess, at who I'm reading and looking at. Yeah. I mean, well, that's a pretty, that's a pretty good lineup. Like you mentioned people like, uh, you know, especially like Mike Reinhold, we're super lucky to have him in the, the area of Massachusetts. Um, and same thing like Nick Winkleman, you know, anytime I can give a shout out to Nick, like just the amazing work that he does in terms of teaching, uh, you know, sprint mechanics and speed work is off the charts. It's it, it he is at the top um, as far as I'm concerned when it comes to that stuff. Um, really, really not bad at all. Yeah, it's just for, you know, for me, like selfishly, it's always just interesting to kind of like talk to other coaches about, you know, where, where they're kind of you know, looking for information or, or who are their influencers. And of course, you know, like you mentioned before, not only those guys, but, you know, you obviously have, have the benefit of all the experience that you have and, and working with, with Eric as well, having him for like in-services and, and things like that. You guys do a great job at continuing to edu- educate the staff at uh, CSP. So it's just, it's just always fun to, to chat about it and see what's up with that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, um, I'm, I'm always, always, obviously always reading, um, and I, you know, I think, and we probably, I think we probably t- talked about this, uh, last time. But, I don't remember you know, that. That was like 15 <laughs> months ago. <laughs> uh, well, I just did, you know, like the biggest thing I, Nick Whippleman, obviously the, the sprint mechanic stuff was really awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, which also leads me like one guy I forgot that I, I watch all his webinars and stuff is, is James Smith. Um, uh, who. James Smitty Smith. Uh, James Smith. James, if you go back to like really old elite FTS logs, James the Thinker Smith. Oh, the Thinker. See, this is the problem. We have too, <laughs> too many, many Jim yeah. Smiths and Jim Smitty Smiths. There's too many of them. Yeah, you throw another curveball in there. I mean, one of my good friends <laughs> who doesn't put himself out there online a lot, but co- coaches in the area, is also named Jamie Smith. Perfect. Um, and he's, uh, you know, he's been a close friend of mine, and uh, he owns a, a, a place called the University of Strength. And you know, I, I always pull a lot from talking to him. Um, but yeah, Nick, Nick, all the stuff he turned me on to as far as learning how to be a better coach and, uh, you know, that, that's still a year later stuff that I'm still picking up books on is how to communicate better and, and how to coach, uh, motor skill development better and things like that. Well, that's funny. Yeah. Jamie Smith has been down at our uh, facility as well. He's a good dude. Um, so, uh, you know, there's a couple of things that I just want to hit on uh, before we kind of start uh, wrapping things up is, is kind of seeing uh, where your your mind is at kind of going into the, I mean, kind of going into the summer we have uh, for, for you, this is kind of like the, the downtime in terms of baseball is going on right now. So like I was talking to Pete a little bit about this, like things kind of calm down a little bit at the facility. So um, what, do, what do you like to do, you know, when you do have that, that downtime, are you kind of looking at other markets to try to bring into the gym? Are you using that time for more continuing education? How do you like to use that time? Um, well, yes, yeah, so, sometimes just pulling my hair out, waiting for uh, 
the off season to, to get through. It's like, yeah, it's a pretty slow month and a half. Um, you know, it's, uh, the, the interns that we get during this time, obviously we spend a little bit more time trying to talk to them and educate them because we have more free time. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's big. Uh, but yeah, I can, uh, I can cut hours a little bit at the facility because we don't need as many coaches there. And, uh, and I think I've spent most of that time, um, just honing in on, on, um, I, I train a fair amount of people through the strength house with, with on, online, um, doing, you know, mostly kind of powerlifting based big three stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, that, that keeps me pretty occupied. I mean, writing all their programs and watching their videos and, and stuff like that. It, and then, uh, on top of that, yeah, putting out just a little bit of extra time into, into my own brand. Um, you know, I think, I, I obviously really like the brand that I've created with the strength house. But, um, one thing that I noticed is, you know, it, it speaks very well, obviously to the people that really want to get after it and get stronger. Um, but I have a wealth of experience now in training baseball players and right. it's not, you know, obviously a, a, the best form for that. So, um, kind of hopefully here in the next few months, kind of develop, a, a second portion to the site where people can go, two ways one way to do more of the traditional stuff that i've always talked about on the site and then another one to do more of um, strength and conditioning for baseball and in particular for for catchers mm-hmm. um, so catcher is a position i played and it, it's a, a position on the field that that warrants a a, a little bit more individualized approach because absolutely it has, it, yeah it has some demands that obviously the other pitcher uh, positions don't that is so, like that just like a pitcher man that is like the 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 most outlier position on a, on a baseball team is, you know, pitchers, you know, the ability to throw and be able to deal with the wear and tear on that stuff. And then for catchers, God bless the knees of a catcher. Yeah. Yeah. Catchers take a beating. Um, they throw probably, you know, they throw, well, not probably, they definitely throw more than any position on the field. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and they have uh, work capacity demands that no other position except for maybe a starting pitcher has, mm-hmm. um, where, where they do need some more uh, on the energy system development side of things than the other positions do. So it, it's so weird. Like we're seeing, you know, at our gym, we're in terms of like our baseball population, we're seeing early specialization or at least parents trying to do like the early specialization for, for catchers now, like at 12 years old, they're trying to identify the kids that are going to be able to deal with staying in that position for nine innings plus. It's it's kind of crazy now. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, that, that's obviously as being a catcher myself, it's something that I'm just, you know, naturally kind of in tune with. I know the demands of the position. And uh, like I said, it, yeah, it does warrant, you know, whether or not, I don't know if I agree with, with specializing in the position right. really, really young, but but I do parents today, man, my kid's going to be the next best. He's going to be the like who, next Mike Piazza or something like that. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. The next Buster Posey someone. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah. But I mean, I think one thing you touched on that is true or that I think is true that I'm, you know, I want to try to develop uh, more of a case for is, is there are some uh, inherent uh, things that, that do make catchers successful especially mm-hmm. at getting into that position as far as you know the structure of their hips for sure um that you know some people are probably better off in that position than others and some guys really struggle to to get low into a catching crouch while others can get into it fine and when you go and you check out the hips on these you know two different people you find you know two completely different kind of hip structures and one lends itself really well to to being in kind of like a deep squat with some internal rotation and the knees kind of inside the feet and then other people can't get into that position at all so um you know if coaches were armed with that information maybe a little more they could kind of figure out you know who should they sort of be pulling out from that position who should they be pushing towards it a little bit because they're going to be able to acquire the correct postures better right right um well let's um you know let's let's kind of like wrap it up here there's some awesome stuff um but i i do want to remind people like first off you know, make sure that you're checking out Greg's site at uh, strengthhouse.com. And uh, Greg, do you have any like events coming up? I know, um, you know, Pete was saying maybe something could be coming up this summer, this fall at, at CSP. Um, 
Well, we don't have anything scheduled for CSP yet, although it is overdue that we do a big three there. So um, (laughs) we probably will and should soon. Um, But next month, uh, June 25th, I believe, we're going to Santa Cruz, California. To Yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to that, too. (laughs) It's called Paradigm Sports, uh, owned by Joey Wolf. And Mm -hmm. we're going to be doing uh, optimizing the big three on uh, Saturday, June 25th. So if you're in California... Uh, we'd love for you to come down. That'd be awesome. Absolutely, or if you want just an excuse to go to California, which yeah, there you go. That's that's not. No, that's kind of like the place. If I probably wasn't in Massachusetts, I'd probably be on the West Coast somewhere. Um, well, that, that, that's awesome, and, and also uh, people can can find you uh, through social media stuff. Do you, do you like knocking out the social media stuff? Are you kind of on there a lot, or? Um, yeah, I, I try to do my part. I probably the most active on Instagram. Uh, so it's just the strength house on Instagram. Um, on Facebook, it's just my name, Greg Robbins, uh, Twitter. I'm on there at, uh, coach Greg Robbins, but I don't tweet all too often, but, um, you know, I go, I, I go through streaks. Sometimes I get really tuned in and I'm tweeting more and other times I don't. Um, but yeah, but I'm on all, all of the, well, at least those three, there's probably, three more now that are popular, but I'm, I'm capping it at those three. So. <laughs> no, I'm kind of like the same way. I know everyone's telling me, Oh, you should get on Snapchat. It's like, no, sorry. I'm hard. I'm having a hard enough time getting on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Like that's kind of a, a stressful 15 minutes of my day to try to keep, take care of those kids. But, um, yeah. All right. Well, uh, definitely if, if people want more information on, on Greg's stuff, go use the internet, go to the strength use Instagram and uh, continue to follow what he's doing because he's doing some awesome stuff in terms of programming and the coaching that he is doing uh, over at Cressy Sports Performance and, of course, over at his website and through his workshops as well. Go and check those things out. I've heard nothing but great things. So, um, And hopefully you guys are going to do um, another seminar towards the the winter. But, um, yeah, again, you, you got to get on Pete to make sure he, he gets that stuff scheduled so we can get some <laughs> time to – to register for that stuff. Yeah, no, yeah, that's, that's on me. I mean, Pete's great. If I, if I ask for it, I, I can do it. Um, yeah, it's just a question of, uh, of, of setting it up. So, um, yeah, definitely look out for something happening in Massachusetts because uh, that's long overdue. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Keep keep an eye out uh, for all that stuff. If you're following Greg or, or Eric or, or Pete, you know, I'm sure at some point all that stuff is going to be blasted out. So you'll pick it up uh, at some point. So yeah, Greg, thank you so much for, for taking the time to jump back on the show. It's been great to catch up. And uh, thank you for answering a, a bunch of my questions in terms of programming, because uh, it's always great to, to pick your brain on this stuff. Yeah, man. Thank you so much, Kevin, for having me back on. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the FitCast. Please don't forget to check out FitCast.network for all the shows on the network. And of course, if you'd like to support the show, you can do it through Patreon at patreon.com slash the FitCast, or you can make a one-time donation through PayPal at FitCast.network. Or you might just want to do something great like shop on Amazon.com. Just go to FitCast.network first, click on the Amazon tab in the upper right-hand corner, and then do your shopping. And then that helps support the show as well. Thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you next week. Take care.